You're listening to The Joy Junkie Show podcast, episode 356. You can find information on anything referenced in this episode at thejoyjunkie.com slash 356. You're listening to The Joy Junkie Show, your source for getting your shit together in love and life. Wouldn't it suck if I really talk like that? I'm Mr. Smith. I'll be hanging out on the show with you guys. So without further ado, here's your host, life coach, speaker, all-around badass, just happens to be my beautiful bride, Amy E. Smith. Hi, baby doll. Hey, hey, beautiful. I haven't seen you all day. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah? Yeah, Today's a little casual day. Ready to talk to the audience? I am. I am ready. I think it's pretty awesome that Wednesdays are your day off and you still always do the pod with me. Well, you know, you make sacrifices. <laughs> <laughs> it's been over eight years Has of sacrifices. It been eight <laughs> years. Yeah, because this is three, five, six, right? Oh, wait. Or is it seven years? Yeah. 52 weeks in a year. Yeah. So do the math. I don't know. Oh, I thought we started in March of 2013. So, so that would be seven years. Three, five, six. Divided by 52 is 6.8 years. Wait. Oh, it must be because we've had... Rebroad. Yeah. Or or we haven't had podcasts sometimes. Yeah. I think there's been a handful of... Where we just didn't do one. So anyway, seven years. Yeah. Basically. 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 So today we're going to talk about emotional intelligence This is something that I talk about constantly with my students in Deep Down and Dirty, and I'll tell you why, and it's something that we're going to dig into a lot today. It's because a majority of what we think is the main problem in our life, usually we are having some sort of massive emotional response to it, usually something that's painful, right? Like we don't like how we feel about ourselves, maybe physically or a body, or we're not happy in a relationship, Hmm. all of that is emotional. Sure. And we think, okay, let's just fix this element and everything will be fine. But so much of it has to do with the actual process of feeling through those sorts of hardships. Hmm. Because what we typically do is we just react. And reaction is where we lose all of our power. So we're going to talk about that a lot today. And before we do, though, I think we should lighten it up because it's probably going to be... It's going to be an emotionally intelligent episode. It's going to be intense. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It might not be. We, we shall find out. Okay. But for now, we'll stay light. So now it's time for a segment we like to call... Would you rather... And today's Would You Rather is... Would you rather drink one gallon of milk and then ride a roller coaster... Oh my gosh. Or ride a roller coaster behind someone who has drank one gallon of milk. Oh my God. <laughs> well, this is also compounded for me because I, I'm i not the biggest fan of roller coasters. <laughs> In general? With. Yeah. Yeah. So I would already be super <laughs> nervous and I'd be nervous if I had to, for, and I don't have dairy. I don't have like cow milk. Right. And so that w- I would be bloated and it could be almond milk. For di- oh, it could be almond yeah, milk. Let's go, we can go with the almond that milk. completely changes the oh, game. Oh, it does. Okay. I feel like I could take down a gallon of almond milk and ride a roller coaster and not not. Fear. Oh, like you immediately go on the roller coaster? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, 
but then sitting behind somebody. Sitting. You're not going to enjoy the roller coaster either way. Let's put it that way. But I think maybe if I'm behind somebody, I could try to go either left or right. (laughs) Or I could. And miss the vomit. Or I could. But it would happen so fast. I don't know. Miss the milk torpedo. (laughs) Or try to duck down. You know how that is. But I'm guessing that. You wouldn't know. You wouldn't yeah, be you aware, wouldn't be aware that, right. oh, homeboy or homegirl yeah, in front yeah. of me just chugged a gallon. A gallon. <laughs> a gallon, which is a lot. I don't even like, have I drink that. a gallon a day of water. I I do too. Throughout the almost, day. Almost. Almost a gallon. Not in one sitting. So to just sit there and pound milk. Ew. What oh, am I going to do? Ew. I would much rather me vomit than have vomit on me from somebody else. So really? So I'm going to go with. Drink a gallon of that. But then you're probably going to get it on other people. I would be, eh. I, I would be mortified. I would too. Throw but up it's on other much humans. Better than having someone else's vomit on me. You think? Yeah, I know. I know. I I'm, don't. I'm think an evil human, but I would do it. I think I would go for d- chugging. I can't even chug. I can't <laughs> chug anything. I can't even chug things you're supposed to chug, like beer. Well, I don't like beer. You're not supposed to chug beer. It's like. That's it's like a, pancake batter to me. Yeah, well, there's some that are like that, for sure. I yeah, I just I can't imagine. What would you rather drink, a gallon of milk or a gallon of beer? Oh, definitely milk. <laughs> okay, then milk is the one you're going with. So, okay, so so are you going to get vomited on or be the vomitor? <laughs> I think I'd rather get vomited on. Yeah, I I do. Oh, I think. Oh man, that kind of. I think it's fucking nasty. I've been vomited on too many times in my life. Have you really? Yeah. Have you really? I have. Like, it, like in paramedics? Yeah. Or? Well, you know, on an ambulance, there's people throw up all the time. Did you ever have it in your face? Never on my face, but I got it on my uniform or on my shoes or slipped in it or something. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Did you mm-hmm. have like a change of outfits? You had to. Because you yeah, would get yeah, so yeah, gross, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I – because, first of all, if I get vomited on – then I didn't have to chug anything. So my belly is going to feel much better and I can handle just my regular nerves for the for the roller coaster. Because I would feel so bad about, especially if it's that much, it's probably going to be a multitude of people. And I would have to yeah. pee so fast, like my bladder would not be able to handle it. <laughs> and you can't sit in the back. So I might... You got to be sit, you got to sit in the front. I would probably pee my pants also. So I think I'm going to go with... <laughs> Sit behind somebody. Sit behind somebody. Okay. <laughs> so it's fifty fifty in the the in the uh, Joy Junkie studio in the in the pod room. So we would love to hear what you would rather. We talk about it every single week over in our after hours community. After. Hours. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Just zoning off. I was like, I was still thinking. About, I was still thinking about whether I'd want to get vomited on. Or you were get, on the roller coaster. I was on the roller coaster. <laughs> I, was, uh, I, was I even gave you a, a physical cue. You did, and I was dreaming. I was off. You were on the if, rolling. If there was ever a moment where there was that little dot, dot, dot cloud. <laughs> totally. That was it. That was the moment. <laughs> I feel like I could even see it over you. Like just <laughs> as you're chugging up that. What is that little cloud called? Roller. That little dot, dot, dot. Thought bubble. Thought, thought bubble. Thought bubble. Thought bubble. If there was ever an opportunity for a thought bubble, that was the moment right That's there. That's right. So we want to hear from you. On Mondays, we discuss it in our After Hours community. Go to thejoyjunkie.com slash club. That will redirect you right over to our little page on Facebook. It's such an amazing community. Everybody is so supportive of one another. Lots of great uh, conversation and stuff that happens over there. I do bonus trainings every month. 
month so you can submit and say, hey, I could really use some help on this issue. Obviously, all completely for free. We do Warm Fuzzy Wednesdays where we celebrate stuff. It's just a really great time. Again, go to thejoyjunkie.com slash club. That will get you right over to hang out with us and be sure to tell us what you would rather for this particular week. So how about we jump into talking about Emotional, emotional intelligence. intelligence. E-I. Let's being, do it. Being a bunch of emos. Yeah. So first off, what I want to say is before we even jump into any of this, we have our emotional intelligence pretty much bred out of us from the get-go. Unless you had some sort of utopian upbringing, most of us are not taught to relish and explore and be with our emotions in a powerful way, whether they are positive or negative. Sometimes if you are extremely joyful or happy, you may have had a parent or primary caregiver who said, don't get too excited. It's all going to rip, be ripped out from under you. So mm-hmm. you may have learned that joy is something that is scary and not to be counted on. For many of us, you it's likely that you were not allowed to throw tantrums. So anger and sadness were something that you did uh, in shame, kind of in your room. Your only thing that we're going to allow you to be is happy. Mm-hmm. And we see that nurtured throughout the entirety of our society. I think it can be seen in the buzz term of toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. And I have always thought that the antidote and the the opposite of toxic masculinity is emotional intelligence, is the ability to understand what you are feeling and be able to express that in a thoughtful and articulate way. But our society is not set up to hold that for people. Hmm. Definitely not to hold up for men. We say, oh, don't be a pussy and you don't cry like a girl, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. We ascribe these to specific genders. That is wildly unfair because we know that everybody feels just as intensely, but not everybody is permitted. Well, pretty much nobody is permitted to feel them. You know, you get to a specific age and it's like, okay, enough of that. I remember listening to an amazing broadcast on NPR about men. And it was actually about loneliness in men in their older age because of the inability to connect deeply and intimately with friendships. Mm -hmm. And that if they ended up divorced, that they ended up extremely lonely because most of their friendships were through their wife's family. Or for their wife's friends and, right. you know, kind of cultivated that for the union. Obviously, that that's a major generalization. But one of the things that was so fascinated, fascinating about this broadcast was they chronicled these two little boys and how it got, they got to a point, like a very distinctive point. It was like the summer after they turned 12. They stopped saying, I love you. They stopped Hmm. grabbing each other around the neck and hugging each other. They Obviously, there's implications now with COVID, but but it was a really stark difference. They interviewed them one year, and they were like, oh, yeah, I love him so much. He's my best friend. And they were so sweet and emotionally expressive. And then the next year, they're like, oh, you don't say that. You don't say that kind of stuff. And it was it's that social conditioning of even if it's not directly influenced by the house, the household or parents, you certainly are going to get it out in the world. You're certainly going to get it from other kids or from media. 
So we hmm. have all of these confines of when emotions are acceptable. I'm sure you've heard me talk about this before on the show, but you see people who are being interviewed on television or any sort of platform, the minute they tear up and get emotional, aka vulnerable, we are seeing their humanity. Mm -hmm. The first thing they do is apologize. Yes. yes. The yeah. first thing they do is they say, I'm sorry, and they hide. Yeah. They cower. They don't want to be seen for experiencing their emotion. That yeah. is because we've ascribed to that emotion shame. Yeah. Weakness. Right. We've said, you are weak if you do those things. And I, I say very confidently, it's the, it's the antithesis. If you are willing to be seen in all of your humanity, that is bravery. Absolutely. That is courage in a world that tells you that you absolutely should never show that. Yeah. So I would encourage you to start thinking about that. Now, on the flip side, the other person who's maybe conducting the interview, who inadvertently evoked tears from somebody, what do they say? Oh, my gosh, don't cry. Oh, my gosh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to make you be human. <laughs> Here, please don't cry. Here's tissues. Let's make this all go away. Because we've nurtured this society where we are unbelievably uncomfortable seeing each other's emotions. Yeah. Which I find very, very curious because every fucking decision we make in our life is based off of emotion. We like to think that it's logic and reason and rationale. It is not. Anything you buy, you buy a new car, it's because you want that freedom. Yeah. You, you want to feel a specific way. You want to have kids because of how you want to feel yeah. with your children. Mm -hmm. You buy homes. You buy – you get into specific colleges. You make specific choices because of the feeling you think it's going to give you. So, okay. it, So it's absolutely ridiculous that we have this innate compass that is – telling us a shit ton of information that we try to override at every corner. And it's to the detriment of our relationships, of our successes, of our future, of our confidence, because we squash it. I mean, yeah. think about how many of you out there right now listening say, I don't want to tell people how I feel because I don't want to burden them. That's, yeah, all the time, all the time. I think uh, that happens to me in my practice. Where I have people come in and they'll start tearing up about how their journey of, yeah. of how they got to me, right? And how much pain they're in or yeah. um, how it has affected their lives or whatever it might be. And they'll apologize. And I, and I will ask them earnestly, why are you apologizing for that? Mm -hmm. Most of the time they say, I, sh I don't want to burden you with that. They don't say it in those words. Yes. But that's their reply is right. you don't need to hear this. Right. Right. And I'm like, I'm the person you should be telling that to. Right. right. <laughs> no, I mean, not the only person, but I'm definitely the person that you should yes. be telling that to because you're here to heal. And yeah. part of healing is getting that out. Right. Right. And that is such a brilliant example of empathy. Mm -hmm. But think about how many exchanges. Like I just had an exchange with my primary care doctor where I got all teary and <laughs> totally started crying because of stress I was under specifically around things that I've been feeling around social justice lately. And I felt zero empathy in return. 
And it's super clinical, right? Yeah. That makes you feel like the emotions are wrong. So what we need is less clinical interactions. We need more safe places to land. And that starts with you understanding your own emotional frequency and stop fucking denying it. Yeah. It is it's actually the opposite of how we are wired. And so no wonder we have issues with food. No wonder we have issues with drinking. No no wonder we have issues with disordered relationships. No wonder we have issues with overworking, overparenting, overexercising. All of these things that we would rather do than actually experience our emotions. And then we have the cyclical effect of disease, dis-ease, right? Where if you – I was just talking about this with a hypnosis client today – If you have a deep-seated emotion, it will find a vehicle. It will find an exit point because energy is energy, right? Mm -hmm. Like it can't be created or destroyed. So if you have got an energetic flow around some serious shame or embarrassment or sadness or something that you've gone through and you choose to fucking ignore it, it comes out in an eruption in a relationship where you just let it all out one day, it'll manifest in your physicality, like what Mr. Smith sees all the time, people harboring and holding emotional pain in their yeah, bodies. Yeah. Addictions. Addictions. It's yeah. a huge one. That's right. Or obsessive behavior, which I see all the time, which is people-pleasing, perfectionism, mm-hmm. trying to control things. Yeah, right. Those are behaviors that we employ to try to feel differently instead of going to the actual root right. issue. Yeah, yeah. All right. So here's number one for you. This is the typical emotional response. And this is how our brains make sense of information. We yeah. naturally conclude and kind of almost put a brand or a stamp on a situation. So if we experience something, whether it's as a child, it's most influential between the ages of zero and eight before your critical factor of your mind or your inner critic is established. Interesting. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I so, didn't even think about that. You think of it's just part of humanity, but it comes in at eight. That's when uh, you start? R- roughly. Okay. R- yeah. yeah. So interesting. So, so that, that's why in hypnosis we talk about children being highly suggestible. So when you talk to a child, you can say, oh, for the most part, and some people are different depending on how they process and and things like that. But you can say, okay, see, smoking is bad. Don't do this. And they're like, oh, okay. And just accept it. There's no discernment. Because remember, we're not having a shit ton of logic, reason, rationale. Mm -hmm. So we're having, there's no critical factor to go, that makes sense, or that Mm -hmm. doesn't make sense, or no, we're not going to believe that, or yes, we're going to believe that. That develops much later as a defense mechanism. Yeah. It's complicated. We don't need to get all it, but it's fascinating. Absolutely. Yeah, it's super fascinating. So- as children, we're highly, highly suggestible. But then there's also, depending on how you learn, some people are more suggestible than others. I tend to see that in people who are chronic people pleasers. They will hmm. exhibit similar behavioral um, qualities that I can go, okay, There's their suggestibility really continued on through a lot of their latter life. Interesting. So basically what happens is we will experience something that is emotionally painful and then our mind goes, okay, we better avoid that. Okay. We make up a conclusion and then that leads to a behavior. 
right? So something that might be emotionally painful, let's say, is let's say you reached out to your parents and you exhibited emotion around them and you cried around your father, let's say, and you were immediately chastised and disciplined. You don't do that. That's not what a man does. That's not what a strong woman does, whatever it was. So you register in your head, oh, okay, exhibiting emotion equals pain. I better avoid that. Uh And then that will lead to a series of behaviors. So for some people, it's I'm going to throw myself into work. I'm going to throw myself into school. I'm going to be, if if I can't express myself emotionally, maybe I can gain credit or fulfillment or acceptance through education, through academia. Some people take that and they go, okay, I better avoid that at all costs. And they become the rebel. They become hard Mm -hmm. and nobody can get through to me and and maybe even self-harming. So the conclusion is the same, but then a lot of times we'll move into a different set of behaviors. Now, the same can be said for emotionally rewarding things. So if we experience something, let's say in childhood, where we made fun of somebody and everybody starts laughing mm-hmm. and you get this surge of like, ooh, that feels good, mm-hmm. we're naturally going to move towards that. So that may then inform behavioral patterns of being a bully or being a class clown. Or being a stand-up comedian. Or being a stand-up comedian. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah. So please know that all of our experiences shape who we are now. And everything that I'm sharing with you today is not about saying that any one of those things is right or wrong, because that's absolutely not the case, but to give you more of an understanding of, oh, that's why I developed this behavior. Because most of the time, what we're trying to rectify is the behavior. I want to stop eating so much. I want to, I can't tell you how many people are like, I know what I need to do. I just don't do it. Yeah, yeah. I want to get back into shape. I want to learn a new language. I want to go back to school. I want to start my business. I want to go on more auditions. I want to do all these things. And we think the behavior is the problem. But the behavior is usually indicative of some sort of emotion that has not been addressed. Hmm. So the second thing that I wanted to identify is that emotions are simply messaging. But they are fucking dramatic. And when we experience happiness... It's it's like, ah, it's dramatic, right? When we experience sadness or shame or embarrassment, it registers in our mind like it's the end of the fucking world, like that we'll never be able to accomplish anything or we're not lovable. We'll never find a partner. So please recognize by virtue of how they show up, they show up conclusively. They show up like this is the stamp forever and always. You're always going to feel this way. But emotions are fleeting. Mm -hmm. So if you view them as simply messaging and you view emotional pain in the same light as physical pain, you can start to become more diagnostic and you can start going, oh, I feel a lot of embarrassment when I'm around this particular person and we're talking about body image stuff. Hmm. What is that about? And starting to get a lot more curious about what you're actually feeling, what what triggered it, right, and then what you want to do with it. But so often we immediately run. We go, I don't want to feel that. Right. Let me just drink a bunch of whiskey. 
That that happens in physical too. Right. When um, I'm working with people on a physical level, they the only thing that they're there for is to not feel the pain, right? Right. But what I'll tell them is pain is a signal. It's telling you something. Signal. And when you start to get aware of the activities that you do that is contributing to that, you start to feel that pain sooner. Right. And when you feel the pain sooner, you can manage it much better. If you let it go on and you kind of stuff it, hide it, a lot of people are just ignorant to it. They don't yes. even know it's there until it's this blaring red light in the rearview mirror, right? So once they start understanding that they can kind of reverse engineer that right. pain, then they start to see, oh, I don't have to be in pain all the time. Right. Where a lot of us feel like that's just the way it is. I'm just getting old. I just feel this way. Well, I can't not addressing, help it. Just not looking at it, not right. addressing it. And that's what you always talk about is body awareness. Yes. Like, And I, something I say all the time to my students is awareness is the win. It is. Because that uh, – I talk about it being your resilience, but your resilience increases when you notice, oh, shit, that really triggered me what my husband did. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And I can catch it. Treat it, bounce back so much fucking faster yes. than just ruminating on the actual problem. Yes. And that way those emotions aren't a constant. They don't feel like they're going to be a constant. That's right. Right? That's right. The I oftentimes will say your gestation period gets a lot smaller. That's great. I like that. I'm going to use that. So the deal is most of the time what we want to do is we want to react. We immediately react. And our society does that, right? They say, go through fast food. You know, how can we do anything that's fast, 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 fast? Pop a pill, do an injection. Um, How can I feel better? Let me just eat this cake. Let me drink this, you know, whiskey or whatever. So we are always looking for the immediate relief. So knowing that that is going to be there all the time because we are in either the pursuit of pleasure, the avoidance of pain. Yep. So if we are in any type of emotional pain, of course we're going to look to something that's going to quell that. The problem that happens with that is we oftentimes look to something that is a Band-Aid and a detriment long-term. Yeah. So for example, maybe it is that you really want to get over your ex, but you get that little rush every time – you stay in connection with them and you think, oh, maybe it could have worked out. Maybe mm-hmm. we could have. And so you know if you reach out to them, you it might feel good in that immediate moment. But long term, that's not going to be in service of you. Right? Right. right. It's kind of like eating um, ice cream for every meal of the day <laughs> for the rest of your life. It's like, no, no, no. It's awesome, but it's not healthy for you if you're having it in such extreme intervals. Yeah. All right. So number two, noticing that emotions are simply just messaging. They are there to tell us something, but we usually aren't listening. We're jumping to reaction. We want to fix instead of feel. All right. So number three, one of the places that you can start looking to start dismantling this is your behaviors because your behaviors are typically what are causing you pain. So start examining the connection between what you feel and what you do. Okay. For example, if, you know, a perfect example that I just brought up a second ago, you feel lonely, you're feeling that sense of loneliness, that's the emotion, and then you do something reaching out to your ex or reaching out to somebody who isn't 
helpful for you for that immediate feel good, right. that immediate switch in emotion instead of writing out what you're actually feeling. And we'll talk about how to do that in okay. a few minutes. I know that we're just kind of scratching the surface of, of emotional intelligence here, but you're program deep down and dirty really gets to the bottom of this stuff, right? It does. And it does in a very different way because each and every student is very, very different. So when they bring me their very acute things that they are going through, whether it's, you know, a disordered relationship with food or starting my business, I've had a ton of those, Mm -hmm. or people who want to end a really toxic relationship, whether sure. it's familial or interpersonal, the their behaviors are all over the board, right? They're not something I can fit into a formula. Right. So that's why it's super helpful to go, okay, talk to me about what you are feeling mm-hmm. when you go and search this out. And we do a ton of stuff around emotional intelligence throughout the entirety of the program. Right. But the, what's really common with all of these women that I work with is they typically have something attached to these behaviors that's painful. Mm. So something like, I am turning to people pleasing so much that I'm trying to make my boss love me. I'm trying to make my partner love me. I'm trying to make my kids love me. I'm bending over backwards with the behavior of people pleasing because of something I don't want to feel. And a lot of times it's around not enoughness. It's around a worthiness thing. Um, I'm not valuable. So we work with emotional intelligence. We work with core value systems. We work with belief systems, changing all of that around. So if you tend to be somebody who's turning to the behavior of perfectionism, people-pleasing, extreme control over things, then it's likely that there's some emotional stuff happening. And it's also likely that there's some not enoughness, you Hmm. know, some worthiness stuff. So if that feels familiar to you in any way and you're ready to unpack it and finally like enough is fucking enough, please go to thejoyjunkie.com slash workshop. And I've chronicled there for you five key elements that you need to be aware of around all of this Hmm. that will help you start to shift into that place where you can speak up for yourself, where you do believe that you are enough, where you are able to be with your emotions and not get taken out by them. Right, right. That's your first step. And we do uh, sort of a kind of a behind the scenes way in which we offer to students. So at the very end of that workshop, you'll see an opportunity to book a call with a member of my team. And then you can discuss if deep down and dirty is the perfect solution for you, if it's exactly what you're needing based off of what you're up against. Uh, But I've seen it be incredibly transformative for hundreds of women, truly, where they're like, I cannot believe that who I was just a few months ago. It's pretty yeah, remarkable. Right. So again, that link will be in the show notes or the joyjunkie.com slash workshop. Cool. All right. So what I want you to do is start looking at that correlation between what you feel and then what your behaviors are. So for me, if I feel extremely overwhelmed, that's when I start going for the food and drink. Mm-hmm. That's my comfort. Yeah. It's what mm-hmm. I am craving in those moments. For some people, if you are feeling extreme sadness, 
maybe you I know some people like this. Um, I think Brene Brown talks about this in one of her episodes. They go into massive overfunctioning. They go into how much shit can I pile on my plate? Mm. It's kind of like glorified busyness. Right. So maybe that's one of your behaviors. Uh, sometimes it is people pleasing or perfectionism, like I was saying. If and perfectionism is very much tied to control. So if you are feeling very out of control, or there are people in your life that are leaving you with really uncomfortable emotions, you may be turning to perfect, 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 control, control, control. Mm -hmm. So start analyzing, are there times in which I throw myself into something that I know is not healthy, even if it's overworking or, you know, those are like the noble distractions, right? The overworking and the overparenting and the overexercising are the ones that we kind of go, oh, I can, I'm allowed to do this because they're healthy and they're so noble. No, they can absolutely be in excess. And it's likely that if you're feeling some sort of disconnect in your intimate partnership, let's say, it's probably very common that you want to stay at the office later or that you want to avoid in some way or yeah. you miraculously got yourself uh, volunteered for all of these obligations that allow you to avoid that relationship. Those are those those trigger moments that you can reverse engineer, right? That's exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly right. So. That is why I think it's easier for us, especially if we haven't been taught emotional intelligence, it's easier for us to catch the behavior and go, I fucking hate that I always do this. Okay, great. But hating that isn't going to (laughs) help. We need to start looking at why does does that provide something for you? Yeah, start taking it apart, right? Exactly. Which can be painful. Yeah, it can be painful. And it's, it's similar to what you were talking about with people and their physicality. A lot of times what I'll tell people in Deep Down and Dirty, it's like it's like you've been avoiding going to the doctor for the longest time and you've had this pain, let's say in your knee. <laughs> you've had this pain in your knee. It's getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And you just don't want to look at it, don't want to look at it, don't want to look at it, nothing to see here, not going to the doctor, not going to do it. Finally go to the doctor, you get a diagnosis. Well, we're going to have to do the surgery. That's the bad news. And it's going to involve a lot of physical therapy and it's going to be, you know, a decent amount of pain and work. But beyond that, you will run fucking marathons. You You could run across the U.S. and do like a Guinness Book of World Records or whatever. You will have a completely different life if you stop just simply ignoring this pain. If you address it, go through it. You can have a completely different life. And that is exactly what happens with emotional pain. Right. We don't want to look at it. We don't want to look at it. Once we do, we realize that it's not going to stay there forever. That's one of our biggest fears is that it just won't stop. Right. It will. But yeah, and and that uncomfortable cycle gets smaller. That's right. As you practice and as you go through it, right? That's so true. Which um, I think that is why people are afraid – when they say, I know what to do, I just don't do it. Yeah. They're afraid that it's going to be this long, arduous thing all the time. Mm-hmm. But they don't. what they don't get is, yeah, it's going to be long and arduous at first. Right. But then it starts to get less and less and less and less as you practice, right? Completely. Yeah. Spot on. Now, here's one other thing to be aware of, too, when you're starting to identify the connection between what you feel and what you do. 
how you are feeling, and what behaviors you turn to. Many times we try to fix an emotional feeling with a physical feeling, Hmm. which is why food is so appetizing to us because it creates a different physical sensation. Sure. It's almost like it, it it's like a hack. Like we're trying to feel something different, so let me go to physical instead of emotional. Mm-hmm. But they're both feelings. They're just yeah. different types of feelings. Yeah. Or you know, like that system's broken, let's use this one. Right. right? That's exactly right. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that yeah, close for business, go to the physical. Right. So we want alcohol we want drugs we want sex we want to work out mm-hmm. so even working out can be a detriment if you're not actually processing the emotion so one of the things that you can do if you choose physical activity as your outlet is to consciously channel whatever you know you need to work work on as you're working out so you're almost like releasing negativity you're releasing anger you're releasing fear um i have an awesome punching bag that I got that I was I, just thinking about I that. visualize the people that I want to punch. <laughs> Most of them are government officials. And <laughs> um, but that can be incredibly helpful if you tie that emotional healing to the physical. So there's things that are really helpful like music. Again, that's sure. a physical expression like most of the time. Right. Tie that emotional freedom to that. Number four Practice processing instead of reacting. You have to look at that main issue because most of the time, this is going to be something you have to catch in hindsight Hmm. because reaction is exactly that. It's reactive. We immediately respond. We immediately respond with tears. We get sad. We get defensive. We get angry. We get combative. We get excited. We get, you know, whatever it might be without really dissecting what is happening for us at the root. So if you can, one of the best ways to start that process is before you speak or do, take a really, really deep breath and just pause. It's that piece of that awareness of acknowledging, okay, I just got an emotional punch just now. Mm-hmm. And I need to roll with this punch a little bit before I come back, you know, <laughs> arm. I wanted to say guns blazing, but the, but coming back swinging. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I was yeah. going to mix my metaphors. <laughs> so there can be a number of things that you can do depending on what the emotion is in order to process. But one of the rules of thumb that I have figured out over the years is if the emotion is acute – and sharp, meaning you feel it very intensely, then it's called for processing. It's calling for processing, not trying to talk yourself out of it. If it's acute, you do not go to, you know what, I'm just super grateful and I've got so many things to be happy about. And no, you only use positive self-talk like that when the emotion isn't super, super sharp. If that that emotion is very acute and sharp, that's when you immediately need to process it. If you can. Now, sometimes you're in a boardroom and you can't just (laughs) ball your eyes out or you can't just slug the person next to you. (laughs) So that means you have to be diligent about doing it at a later time. 
And you usually will feel it because you get home and then you start snapping at your kids or snapping at your partner. Sure. That is the emotion wanting to be released. To relate it to physical, if I could, and let me see if this is a good analogy, but you're not going to uh, strengthen and exercise a broken leg. Yeah. Right? It's too acute. Yes. You If, if your um, ankle hurts or you've got swelling in your knee, then exercise might help it, right, if you do it in the proper way. You can talk your way through that. Yes. But you can't talk your way through a broken leg. you got to go to the emergency room. That's right. <laughs> right? It's yeah. calling for a different remedy. A different remedy, right. And that's one of the things that I think people get really convoluted around with positive self-talk and personal development is that mantras are going to fix everything. Mm-hmm. And they're not. Mm-hmm. They only work in very specific situations and also with very specific languaging. So – be, you know, just recognize, although you probably don't want to hear it, and I've told this to many a students, I'm like, what you need to do is be with your emotions. You need to feel through this. You are trying to fix instead of feel. Mm-hmm. And myself very much included. And I know when I need to have a really good cry, I can now feel it, usually in my solar plexus. Like, I need a good cry or I need to really do an emotionally charged workout mm-hmm. where I'm purposely letting it out. Yeah. So there are a multitude of ways that you can start processing instead of reacting. Journaling is obviously a huge one. Having a good cry, I like to call it controlled emoting, where you lock yourself away in a room, you watch something that you know will evoke tears, or you listen to music that will evoke tears, and you allow yourself to bawl your eyes out. Talking it through with a therapist, with a coach, with a friend, One of – I think I've mentioned this before that one of my ways to process something that's going on with me is usually to tell four people the same story. And then I – they're kind of my my collective energy of wisdom that I believe – that I really trust in their their guidance. You're one of them. You know, my bestie is one of them. And I usually just need to kind of process it a few times. And then, you know, I process very much audibly. That's one way to deal with it. Anger, break something, have something that you can very easily demolish. That can be amazing. (laughs) Scribbling furiously, doing primal screams or even silent screams, full body contractions where you clench up your entire body and then release, clench and release. Yeah. For things like overwhelm, creating lists, reaching out for help, delegating, omitting, you know, so there's all sorts of emotional things that we can start doing to process instead of reacting. Loneliness, for example, loneliness is one of those that we very often will reach for food or drink or something like that to not feel lonely. Try actually quelling what that really is. If you're feeling lonely, it's likely that what you desire, what's the desired emotion? Probably connection, probably meaning, probably empathy, possibly intimacy. So how can you start creating that? Reach out to people, right? Yep. Uh, Ask for prolonged hugs. Can we just linger (laughs) here? Can we hold hands as we watch TV? Yeah, with COVID, that's going to be a little harder. I'm thinking more if you have a spouse or kids or something like that. So grab a stranger. Get a, get a get prolonged hug. with consent, with, <laughs> with enthusiastic consent, and prolonged eye contact. <laughs> <laughs> That's literally the only skill of our dog. <laughs> it really is. Um, She's great at fetch. 
<laughs> and prolonged eye contact. <laughs> so number four is sort of the next step is starting to get used to processing instead of reacting. But what I think is really important for you at the get-go is this dissection of behaviors. Where am I turning to things because of an emotion I don't want to feel? Which then leads me to number five, get into the practice of naming it. What is it that I'm actually feeling? Because hmm. a lot of times we go straight to the behavior. We go, you know what I need? I just need a drink. You know what I need? I just need some fucking French fries. You know what I need? I need some shopping therapy. Mm -hmm. I just need a new outfit. We go to the behavior. Instead of going, what is it that I'm feeling? What would I name it? Right. Loneliness, overwhelm, shame, isolation, embarrassment, sadness. What is it that mm -hmm. I'm feeling that is turning me to that behavior and get in the practice of naming it, identify it. That's a part of the intelligence. That's the intelligence piece, right? So have a Google for <laughs> a myriad of emotion names so that you can start ascribing what you feel to that emotion. And then you can start going, ah, okay, when I feel this thing, I do this thing. Right. And I've been focusing on stop doing this thing, stop doing this thing, instead of, oh, okay, there's an emotion that needs to be addressed and taken care of. So start thinking about that. I'm sure we're going to have to do a part two on this because there's so sure. much yeah, to Yeah, there's talk a about. lot to it for sure. Yeah. Well, let's just do a quick recap. And you had some great insights today, babe. Oh, Thanks thank so you. much. All right. So number one, acknowledging what our typical response is, that we have typically had something either painful or rewarding that we have now associated with our learned behaviors. Number two, emotions are simply messaging. They're just trying to get your fucking attention. All you got to do is listen instead of react. Number three, our behaviors are usually what is causing us pain. So start looking at that link between how you feel and what you choose to do. And again, of course, if you want to go deeper, check into Deep Down and Dirty uh, via the workshop. Yeah. And number four, start practicing processing emotions instead of reacting. So you can start looking at here's how I feel currently and here's how I want to feel. If I'm feeling lonely, I want to feel connected. If I'm feeling shameful, I'd rather feel confident. Start looking at what is it that I would rather be feeling. And then finally, number five, be sure that you are starting to name these emotions. Hmm. So that is what I've got for y'all. And of course, the workshop link will be in the show notes. I would love for you to check that out, especially if you know that you really need to make some sort of massive change so that things don't continue the same way. That will be at thejoyjunkie.com slash workshop. Workshop. Any other final thoughts, my love? Hmm. No, I don't think so. All right. So we will see you right back here this time next week. And here is to loving and living your most badass life. Mr. and Ms. Smith, out. <laughs>